You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Actually, it's the the lead play in our our offense. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down the first man who is inside. Pull back, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by them and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. We've got my good buddy Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast on live with us tonight, live on YouTube and Twitter. And we're just going to kind of kind of talk a little Packers tonight. You know, we're in between, obviously, the preseason game, and I believe, Jacob, the next practice is Sunday, if I heard correctly. I don't know about you, man, but I was, I was trying to hear, you know, hey, were there any injury updates, right? And I, I still haven't heard anything. The last I heard, obviously, Tyler Davis sounded like he uh, suffered a significant knee injury. Did you happen to hear anything um, today as far as injuries go? I mean, not more specific than what you just labeled. I mean, basically, it, we went from kind of having nobody and nothing to a decent list. So right now I'm looking at Tyler Davis. Obviously, it sounds like he torn he tore his ACL and that he could be a, a season ender, which, I mean – Everybody knows that uh, my – I don't hate Tyler Davis, but it's not like I, I – he was my favorite player. But any time that a Packer player in any – of any capacity towards tears their, or their ACL, I mean, like, obviously we want the prayers for them. That's not what we want. And now that I look at it, I mean, Tyler Davis, that's honestly – as much as I hate to say it, all of a sudden now we have some shoes to fill. Um, and the guy was a really good blocker. He was a very – there was a reason he made this team when people thought that he shouldn't, and I acknowledge that. So, um, that being said, Tyler Davis, get healthy, brother. Uh, get get healthy soon. So, Lou Nichols, shoulder injury. Corey Ballantyne had a stinger that he left the game with. Luke Tenuta got carted off. It just is an ankle injury. I haven't seen anything more specific at, at this point than that. Caleb Jones, ankle injury. Goodson had a shoulder injury he had to leave with. Jair didn't play. They say it's because of a groin <clears throat> injury, but I would have to imagine that even if he was fully healthy, that he would not play that game. And then Deguara with the calf, and then obviously you're Gary and your Stokes and, and those types of people. But, um, you know, I, I just um, – <clears throat> That Tyler Davis one really does suck. It, it's it's hard to, again, a guy that I wasn't necessarily a massive fan of, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of the Green Bay Packers and necessarily like him as a person. That's not, had nothing to do with it. And like, I had to see a guy that has been showing progression and the coaches and, and the team obviously love the guy. So the fact that we're without him shows that maybe there's another, um, I don't know what you'd say, maybe Austin Allen who fills that Andre Miller possibly like, but the, he's more of our, our blocking tight end. So I don't know how we replace that necessarily with the, with the guys we have right now. Right. Yeah. we got knucklehead Paul in the chat. Hey, appreciate you dropping by cheesehead Murph. What's up, man? Um, let's do this, man. Let me just kind of, I'm going to kind of go to the PFF grades real quick. Because yeah. you you mentioned someone just now tied in Austin Allen. He actually had 20 snaps last night. 
Okay. And he had a PFF grade of 73.1. That kind of, uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. Right. And, you know, I mean, 20 snaps, you know, sometimes you see a grade like that and you think, okay, they only had three snaps. So it's not even, you know, 20 snaps is pretty significant. He kind of held his own. Right. And that's, that's the, the tight end you're referring to. Right. Jacob. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So maybe he's, uh, maybe he's next man up. Right. And, uh, like you said, man, hope, hope Tyler Davis gets the, gets healthy quick. Um, you hate to see that again, you, you've, we, we always make a joke out of how I'll, I'm always talking about the sift, right. And talking about the split zone and, and how well he did last year. But, um, you know, the other thing too, Jacob, he, I believe he had more special team snaps than any other Packer player. On yeah. I think he was the second overall graded special team, uh, player other than what is it, Eric Wilson or something like that. So yeah, that's, he's definitely not a small, it's not a small position to fix. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. All right. So there's your injury update. Let's do this, man. Why don't we talk about my favorite player from yesterday? I'm sure it's yours too. Bless you, sir. You handled that well. <laughs> I almost blew that. <laughs> it could have went real bad. Why don't we talk a little Carrington Valentine? How's that sound, man? Yeah. And yeah, no better way to do it than let's let's uh let's share the screen here, Jacob. I got a few things keyed up here. These are some of the big plays that I noticed with Carrington Valentine yesterday. All right. And uh, we've got just a handful of them. I'm going to rattle through real quick and just kind of explain what I've seen. And then I want to get your takeaway when I wrap up here. Okay. So Carrington Valentine had a great day. You know, he was the second highest graded player on defense. Um, he was just, to me, he seemed like he played well in, in every facet of the game, you know, and starting here in the first quarter, 641 left in the first, right? They come out in a 12-gun F, okay? Now, what does that mean, a 12-gun F? It simply means one running back, two tight ends. Here's your Y tight end. Up top is your F tight end, okay? Look how big he is compared to Carrington Valentine, all right? And, and you know this is a 12, <clears throat> excuse me, because you can see our 34 front, right? So that triggered our base defense. And I want you to watch here. As we roll it forward, we're in press man. So he's out here on this huge tight end, Jacob. And he's got to press this tight end. Now, he knows he's got single high help, right? So he's got a safety in the center of the field. This is middle field close. And I want you to watch him handle this tight end, dude. Look at this. Look at the footwork, right? Good contact. No working right toward the sideline. Here comes the pass. Look at him get his head around. They're hand fighting. He almost picks this ball off. Yeah. And that kind of set – I mean, that that really set the tone all day long for defense. That was – I mean, that was early on, and they just decided, hey, look, let's take a shot on this little corner. And, man, I, he was on, he was matched up on tight ends several times yesterday that I noticed. But this is what gets me fired up. You know, look look, look at him. He's a spark plug, right? Now watch this on the sideline. Look at Rasul. Look at him oh, out there flexing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, boy. I'm telling you, these – these guys, man, they're rooting for each other. They are rooting for each other. But, again, just him, what you've seen there, and the reason I want to show it, press man, right? Press man against a guy who should be able to completely body him, and he couldn't because Carrington was just sticky. He, he played fundamentally sound. He had good footwork. He hand-checked at the line. He worked the receiver to the boundary, knowing that he had help in the center of the field. Just an excellent play. And, again, man, spark plug, getting Russell fired up. Love it, love it, love it. All right, let's move on to the second play. This play came uh, also in the first quarter, 4.33 left. Okay, they're going to come out in an 11-gun. I want you to look up top. You've got Carrington Valentine up top again, okay? What's he in? He's in press again. This this may be a tight end up there as well. Um, I couldn't tell. Now, we're in a nickel 2.45, so my guess is we're either in a big nickel, right, or – we're, uh, you know, we're just playing nickel two, four, five, which made me think that might be a big receiver. It could be a tight end. If we were in base, I would say it's definitely a tight end. I mean, you see how much larger he is than Carrington Valentine here, right? So he's outmatched again, playing press, man. Watch him right here at the snap. Good contact, right? Now, right here, he's got to recognize, okay, it's a running play, and that's what he does. Okay, so it's going to be an outside run. The running back clears the edge. Now, I want you to, right here, he notices, okay, it's a run. Watch him shed this block, dude. You see this? <laughs> dude, he shucks him. Bro, I'm telling you, he plays like he's freaking six foot six. And I know it's one game. I got it. And, and you know, I, all I've said this entire training camp, Jacob, is it's 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 training camp. 
calm down, Clayton. That's what I keep telling myself. It's just training because everybody keeps talking about him. Then you see it in a preseason game. Now we're going, it's just preseason. But look at this, dude. Watch him shed that block and then watch his tackle. Dude, Bang. He's, he's crazy physical, too. He knows within uh, he's within that five yards, so you can kind of get a little bit aggressive yep. with the guy. And he straight up grabs him and throws him. Freaking awesome, dude. Look at I mean, him. Yeah. He, he squares up. He doesn't, like, chase. Yeah. He, just, he, he keeps his balance. Yeah, the dude, if, if the dude hadn't been airborne, he was going to put his shoulder right in the dude's chest. There's so another one. Um, I, I hope I don't cut you off because maybe you already get into it. But there was – I don't remember exactly what um, series it was, but there was one where a guy tried to go high on him. He tried to jump over him, and Carrington Valentine – yeah, he just smoked him. I mean, he almost kind of hit him, like hit stick him. He was like, don't you dare try that jumping over me. <laughs> crap on me. And it was on a run play, again, I believe, to the outside. So maybe maybe yeah. you got that in your uh, – yeah, I'm not, not sure if I do or, or not, but we'll uh, we'll check here in a second. But again, just uh, another a, a great play in the run game there, right? Can you, Clayton? Can you do me a favor? Yeah, just because I know this would help me, and I know if it helps me, it helps somebody else. I see that you have twelve gun empty. As each of these formations show up, can you ex kind of explain just real briefly, like what that means? And I know you do, but yeah. mostly. But twelve gun empty. I can see obviously you've got five receivers on the uh, on the field here. No, no running yeah, back. Absolutely. Yeah, we got you, man. So twelve, they're coming out in a 12-gun empty. What does that mean? It means one running back, two tight ends, okay? Now, it, the empty simply says, okay, the running back is going to be flexed out. So you got your T who's going to be kind of slot left here, okay? And to the best of my knowledge, this is probably your tight end. Again, I'm not very familiar with their personnel. I do know it's 12-gun simply because if you look at it, this is a third and two play. We're mugging the line completely, but we are in a two, four, five. And you can see kind of the wide tech there um, when it comes to the uh, the defensive line. So that's what that means. One running back, two tight ends in a shotgun set, and it's empty. There's no sidecar. There's no running back in the backfield. Okay. So they're, they're looking to attack through the air right here, obviously, unless they run some kind of jet motion. Now we come out in what I believe is a two, four, five, a nickel two, four, five zone match. Okay, so they're mugging the line here, but you're going to see people drop out. Now, what's zone match mean? It simply means, you know, like Coach Haddad told us, you're not covering grass. You know, he said the 20-yard line is, has never uh, never picked up a yard, you know, on in a football game, right? So the fact that we would just drop to, a, to an area and just cover a, a zone rather than play zone match where we can cover players in and out of our zone, it's, it's kind of a – it's almost like playing man match, but you're allowing them – to once they leave your zone, you're passing them off to another defender. So that's typically that's essentially what this is right here. Okay, it's a two-four-five zone match. Now you're going to see people drop out here. Now see where it says mod Jacob at the top. Yep. yep. Matt is Carrington Valentine. He is playing what we call mod technique. Okay, that means man on demand. That what that simply means is he's got this number one receiver right here, and if that receiver goes beyond seven yards, whatever their rules are, okay? Their rules on this 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 specific play might have been five yards. It might have been seven yards. It might have been 12 yards. We don't know. We're not in the huddle. That's why we always kind of uh, leave that little caveat there. We want to leave a little buffer to go, hey, look, we don't know what the exact call was, but we do know this is mod man on demand. So when he reaches that threshold, what it means is, let's say it's seven-yard mod, right? When he reaches seven yards, now it becomes – man coverage at this point it's zone if he just runs a little flat or something then he's going to drop back and look for coverage in that deep zone okay this is a part of those quarters principle although they're probably just playing cover three here we can't see the safeties because of the tv copy so carrington valentine is going to be playing mod on this play let's roll it forward as we go forward here you're going to see see he's kind of playing zone and you can see everybody's playing zone match nobody's playing strict man coverage and the reason we know that i'm going to roll it back here in a second I want you to look up top here. See how this guy's covering this flat or this little out route, right? If you watch him drop, it looks like man coverage right there. That's this guy right here, right? It looks like man coverage. And then as the play develops, see how he comes back, right? And it may have even been the other safety, but that's how you know it's zone match as opposed to man match, all right? So anyway, we roll it forward. Here's Carrington Valentine again. This is kind of an iffy play. Some people said this should have been pass interference. I love the aggressiveness he showed here, right? We're going to give you a different angle now. Check it out. First of all, it, it drives me crazy that I think it's Lucas Van Ness that gets completely held on the edge. He beats his guy, and he's getting put in the oh, headlock. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and, and 
Lucas Van Ness didn't grade out well in PFF, right? And and it's like these are the things you got to take into consideration too, right? When you see this tape, it's like, man, he he really did walk him back. He he affects the play big time too. I mean, he's got that guy right in his lap, and he's he's literally being put in a, a guillotine here. <laughs> but as we zoom in here, look at Carrington Valentine break on the ball. It's close, man. He goes up and over him, you know. But again, knocks the ball out, and there was no flag for pass interference. So great break on the ball on that specific play there. Let's move on to the next play. And, guys, we're going to get back to the chat here in a second. We just want to finish this up. just want to show some of these Carrington-Valentine plays. So this came in the second quarter. We're in the middle eight, one minute left in the half, and they come out in an 11-gun, right? And that, that simply means one running back, one tight end. You can see the running backs in his sidecar right, and they're in a shotgun set. We're going to come out in the nickel 245, and this is what we call spot drop. This is – this is actual zone defense right here, okay? And what that simply means is rather than him covering this guy and then passing him off, you're going to see everybody drop to a zone in the field, right? That's what spot drop means. So these are just the different variances when it comes to this Fangio-style quarters coverage, okay? So you're going to see Carrington Valentine is up top right here, and he's going to be playing deep sideline, right? That's going to be his spot drop. You see him fade back. They're going to try to slide this in here in the pinch. First of all, look at Kobe Wooden coming Ooh. in and disrupting it. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, he he. If you took the number off of him, Jacob, I would think that's Preston Smith. I really right. would. Like he yeah. he's built like Preston. So anyway, he's going to try to drop this one in the bucket right over the underneath zone and under Carrington Valentine. And of course, he overthrows him. And you can see Carrington. Carrington knows his assignment. And it sounds so silly. It sounds so simple. But he knows I can't let this guy get behind me. He's playing it perfect. And then he, for him to be able to read the trajectory of this ball and know it's being overthrown, you don't see him breaking on the receiver anymore. You see him playing that ball. Now, of course, the receiver gets his hands on it, tips it up. Great hands by Carrington Valentine. And, again, what we talked about just like last night, Jacob, pressure pick, right? Pressure leads to picks and coverage leads to sack. Let's go to the uh, the other view here, and again, watch just watch his hands here, man. This is a phenomenal job. Let's zoom in a little bit. Oof. Look at that hand eye coordination, great ball skills. Wow, dude, does it play like a seventh rounder, man? And now it makes sense to me why there were some people that have fourth round grades on him, dude. I mean, it's uh, he he was a blast to watch, man. He made that game so much more enjoyable yesterday. What are your uh, your kind of takeaways from Carrington? For for me, man, it's press man. He covered a tight end. These are my notes from yesterday. He broke on the ball really well. He played within the scheme, has great hands on the interception, great hand-eye coordination, and great hands on the interception, and very physical shedding blocks to make a tackle. What do you think, man? You uh, you think Carrington's got a spot in this lineup, dude? Oh, heck yeah, man. I mean, I I would argue that he's our, corner, our true cornerback three, maybe four. I mean, because, you know, the Nixon in the slot and – however you want to order that. Um, but yeah, man, you look at him, 89.8 defensive all grade. He had a run offensive grade of 71.3. It's nothing to shake a stick at for, a, a like you said, a rookie seventh round cornerback. He shows the willingness to put his nose in there, make the play. Uh, he, In addition to that, he had a 77.9 tackling grade. Guys, he had four tackles, one stop, six targets. He was targeted six times, two catches. They only had 16 yards. He had one interception and two pass breakups. I mean, what more would you ask for from a rookie seventh round cornerback? <laughs> I, I, you talk about getting banged for your buck, dude. That guy is, that's it right there. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm excited about him, dude. I'm excited about him. Um, I'm excited to see where he fits into this defense. And I know we got people in the chat that's kind of talking about that. Um, you know, Fred Henry here says, no Kevin King grabbing uh, crap there. Carrington, um, the real deal. He's sure showing it so far, man. I know this. I can't wait for the next preseason game. I want to see him back out there again. I'm going to be looking for 37, and I'm having flashbacks to Sam Shields too, man. He's just twitchy. He's a very twitchy player. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's kind of roll through the chat real quick, man. We appreciate everybody dropping by. You guys are awesome. Like I said, Knucklehead Paul, Cheesehead Murph, uh, Smitty in the house, Zane, Fred, everybody, man. You guys are Nick the Realtor. Love it, man. Love it. Perfect Dark says our tight end always getting injured, man. It's a tough position, dude. 
it is a tough position. Um, not only is it tough on a player mentally, but it just the, the physicality that comes with having to block. And then the thing, the thing that really bothers me about the Tyler Davis injury is, is the hit. And I know I'm partial towards our players, and I'm not in any way trying to put blame on the Bengals. But when you see somebody just kind of rocket at someone's legs like that while they're turning with the ball, that is just like, dang, dude. As soon as he hit him, and and when I when they showed the replay and he got, I was like, oh, dude, that looked like it, like it almost hyper extended his knee. wasn't really sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's the worst of the worst for sure, man. Definitely. Zane says still in the draft. Um, now you have to move Josiah back to tight end. I don't know, Murph. Um, I, I think it, you could, you know, you you might just play Josiah more snaps. You know, you could still. Here's the thing. One thing that hasn't changed when we're in 21 personnel, and they showed it yesterday. We've seen it in training camp. I think you're going to be playing a lot of 21, Jacob. I do. Um, when they show 21 personnel, Luke Musgrave is going to be the tight end anyway. It wasn't going to be Tyler Davis out there, right? We we've proven that now. So you're going to have uh, Luke Musgrave, and then you have Josiah DeGuara playing H-back slash fullback, right? So if that's the case, nothing changes in your 21 personnel. Where it changes is in your 11 personnel, or I'm sorry, in your 12 personnel when you want to run out of it, and maybe they wanted to not put Josiah DeGuara attached to the line. Josiah can do that, but it's obvious that Tyler Davis was just a better in-line blocker, in my opinion, than, uh, than uh, Josiah. Do you think that this is possibly a, um, an open door for – Henry Pearson, is it Henry Pearson for may, possibly making this roster? That's a that's a great question. Like, let's take Deguara away from this whole fullback situation. Now yeah. he's our fullback three, or I should say, probably fullback one or two, and then Tucker is going to be like that Tyler Davis type, the more inline blocker type. Um, I don't know, man, because otherwise, like you said, if we keep Austin Allen, Austin Allen's not necessarily a Tyler Davis type. He's more of a receiving tight end in my opinion i guess I, maybe i don't know much about the guy but um that's kind of what i feel like and then i also wouldn't close the door then for us bringing in another random free agent tight end like a you know i just uh, is what's his face is kyle rudolph still alive is he still alive <laughs> i think he is yeah i think uh, he is let's hope he is right anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry all right so uh i'll see you in the chat nick the realtor says i think he is three easy i know he's talking about um I'm sorry, to, to answer Murph's question, um, I don't think there's going to be this just moving him back to tight end. I think he's going to be your H-back in the 21 personnel, and then he'll probably fill in. Josiah will probably fill in in line in place of Tyler Davis. I think he's capable of doing that. He's just not, like I said, not as good of a blocker. Nick the Realtor said, he, I think he's three easy, talking about Valentine being the number three um, cornerback, I believe is what he was referring to. Man, if that's the case, and, and Valentine – does win that number three spot. I mean, does that mean he plays the slot? The thing I noticed, too, was he played both boundaries. That's a hard thing to do, man. You know, it was something that, that Michael Lombardi was talking about on his podcast one time, but a lot of people don't take into consideration when you talk about corners being able to travel across the field. You know, when you're playing boundary, you're playing with one eye, right? Because typically you're turning your back. You've seen it there with Valentine. So you want to play with your dominant eye towards the field. And with Valentine, I mean, you've seen him on both sides. I think it's cool that they're they're trying him everywhere. Those are the little things we really don't think much about, you know. Um, all right, let's see here. Zane in the chat says, low hit on Davis. I felt like it was too, Zane. But, again, man, I'm very uh, very biased with my Packer players. <laughs> when I, If a Packer had, had, had made that tackle, I probably wouldn't have said anything, right? But when, when, they, when they did go low, it's like I was telling Jacob last night, man, what are they going to do? What do you do? You know, I mean, you can't hit high. You can't you, you hit low. You ruin people's knees. You hit them high. You get suspended, a personal foul, ejected, whatever. Right. I mean, they're they're kind of in a tough spot. Or you hit them barely and they, you know, break off your tackle. That's your other yeah. option. Definitely. Yep. Smitty in the chat said the same thing that Jake Shavink said last night, man. OJ Howard's available. Hey, <laughs> I think we'll find out tomorrow. I believe they said there's a practice on Sunday. Um, I think. By Sunday, you I wouldn't be surprised if another tight end shows up to camp, right? Now, I'm not suggesting it would be O.J. Howard, although I would get excited about that. Um, You're talking Rob Gronkowski, aren't you? <laughs> there you I go. Know I know. Actually, you know what? Mark Shimura, he's saddling back up. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one for you, Jacob. Zane says, should we worry about the kicker? What's that answer? Yes. yes! <laughs> Good Lord, yes. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. yes. I don't know, dude. I'll, I'll go out there. 
I could do three out of five. I could go three out of five for PATs. I could. I, I told you, I, I, kicked, I kicked a 47 yard field goal and pulled a butt cheek, exactly. dude. I, I'm not going to pretend That's like right. I get it. <laughs> oh, he said, what was this? He said, I was talking about center. Ooh. Oh, no. He said, Valentine. Okay. I got it now. Okay. He was just saying C. Um, I was curious where they would put him if he did. It seems he played boundary. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think he would be the backup boundary player. Now, if Eric Stokes comes off pup eventually, right, you've got to take that into consideration. So it's that cornerback room is, it's pretty, uh, I don't know, man. It's pretty full the way it sits right now. There's no doubt about that. Um, why don't we shift gears real quick, Jacob? Let's talk some Romeo Dobbs. You cool with that? Yeah, before we do that, though, because I know there's not really a segue for this, but can we just talk about Bretton Cox Jr. real quick? Yeah, go ahead, man. Go. Um, not that he necessarily did anything that was spectacular. PFF didn't quite like what he did. He had a 61.6 defensive grade. He had a, a run defense grade of 63.6. He had a tackling grade of 24.8, which has always been kind of his biggest, you know, Knock. He had 57.7 pass rush grade and a 60 overall in coverage. But the guy had three total pressures. He had three hurries. He had a batted ball down, which led to an interception. And he also had a pretty bad missed tackle. But that being said, <laughs> that's a dude that has like one of lines where you're like, God, like what uh, do we keep him? Do we not keep him? But I just feel like he is there. What that stat line doesn't say is that it looked like on on just as I'm watching it from my couch that he was about a second away from five more pressures, five more hurries, maybe like two more sacks and another batted ball. He just he was always there. He was always just a split second away from creating a play. And I really do like that about him, um, that that he just seems like a guy that he's all or nothing. And I do, I do see the stuff that we didn't like. Like I watched him and it looked like uh, on a few plays, he went over that edge. He didn't care if there was a run coming. He just wanted to beat the edge over the outside and possibly see it to hit the quarterback. And that's what they kind of had as a knock on him is that he doesn't care what the defensive scheme is. He's going to go get the quarterback or he's going to go make a play. And if he doesn't, he's going to whiff huge, but when he does, he does it massively. So I don't know what to think. I just saying it was a little bit more encouraging than I actually thought it would be having the Ryan Schlipp negative mentality constantly in my head saying that this guy's not going to be good. I had to temper my expectations, but all in all, when I honestly look at it, I'm like, eh, granted, it's going against threes and fours and nobodies, but I love the motor. I like the way that he looked out there. I love the wherewithal. To, he always seems like he's throwing his hands up, which if anything else, that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Zane in the chat said, he says health looked like Cobb, but I think he meant Heath. Um, let me do this. Let me, let me get that to drop down. I'm trying to see where he graded out. If he, if he landed in the top, he did not. And I got to agree with him though, man. Uh, not, not necessarily about Cobb, but I thought Heath looked really good out there. What'd you think, Jacob? I thought he looked great. Um, and you know, Andy Herman was talking about it on his post game show. He was like this dude, I think this guy's going to be on the 53 man roster is what he said. Yeah. So I, I, so he had a 65.9 offensive grade. Um, Run blocking grade, so-so, whatever. They have kind of a limited uh, reach on him right now. But, I mean, he he had 28 snaps. He had 20 sna- uh, pass snaps. He had a decent – like, when I watched that guy catch the ball, one, I didn't think that he was afraid of the situation. He looked like he was a dominant type of runner. He looked like he was confident. Like, I remember it was like a quick slant. He was confident enough to dip back behind the yards gained to try to make a play on a guy. I think he ended up making another – three or four yards after the catch kind of thing um, mm-hmm. fell forward. And he, he's a big, he's a bigger guy than I thought he was. He's kind of like, so he's 18, if I'm not mistaken. And Bo Melton, who was wearing 80, another guy, I was just random little note. I thought Bo Melton was like a teeny tiny little guy. He looked thick and kind of bigger than I thought. Yeah. And apparently it's between Malik Keith and Bo Melton. Both these guys keep making some pretty freakish type plays. I think there's a definite five. And then after that, I think we're maybe only keeping six. Now that we're looking at all the different um, struggles on these other um, positional battles right there. And to me right now, Heath is winning, but it doesn't say that if, if Bo Melton comes out next game and does some crazy stuff. But right now, Malik Heath looks like he deserves to be in the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree. And like I said, Andy, I seen it last night, and every time he got the ball, I was like, man, you know, just like Dontavian Wicks, like they, yeah, they look right. like they belong, right? Um, yeah. And then – 
I heard Andy Herman say he he thinks that he would would make the 53. I was like, holy cow. Smitty in the chat said his run block on the sweep was a thing of beauty. Um, now, this was a defensive question here. Fred Henry said, what do you think of D.C. Barry upstairs? Um, me, I don't know why a defensive coordinator would not want to be upstairs. You know, if they have – which we know they do. They have control over the play call for the most part. They can override anybody other than the head coach, you know. Why would you not want to see that bird's eye view? I don't know how you feel, Jacob, but when I watch a football game, I don't want to be on the field. I don't want to be right there in the first row. I want to be – you've seen it when we went. We were in basically in the press box, right? Yeah. I like to be up high where I can see what's going on. So I don't really understand that whole, you know, coaches, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators wanting to be on the field because – there, yes, there's assistance relaying on that information from up top, but I think there's just something different, especially if you're the offensive play caller, being able to see that look from up top, you know. And it just kind of shows you with the West Coast offense, there's a lot more scripting that goes on yeah. rather than flow. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of like it, Fred, to answer your question. What do you think, Jake? Would you rather be on the field or up, up top? I mean, I'll just think of it this way. When you're playing Madden, would you like to have the over the all 22 view like we typically do? Or would you like to do it from a sideline view? Because they have that option. I've right. tried it. It sucks. It sucks. It's really, really <laughs> hard. Like, it's not exactly what you would think of. Um, it's not God's view, right? You're looking at it as if like, oh, wow. <laughs> None of this makes sense. Like, I would like to see it as an all-encompassing overall view, like you said. And, man, our tickets, you're talking about the Rams game when we went there and we were sitting basically – I don't know, man. We were we were eating popcorn with a uh, with the sky up there, man. It was it, I mean, in a good way. It was you could right. see everything. I mean, it was it was. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It was very easy to diagnose Clayton. I I couldn't even enjoy the game. Clayton and me and Mandy trying to eat some cheese curds. Clayton be like, oh, man, you see this formation over there? Like, there's 12 bird, <laughs> arrow, cricket, arrow. And I'm like, dude, what the frick, man? Mandy's I, eating, I, Mandy eating cheese curds. Going, Look at the fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mandy. There's a three-man. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. it, was, it was really fun, dude. It was yeah, so no, fun. the best, dude. We get the video of A.J. Dillon running for a touchdown. It, it might have been the year before. It may have been the year before, but there's a t- I filmed a touchdown of A.J. Dillon. 
against the Seahawks. Yeah, so it was the year before. And she is screaming at the top of her lungs, run, little buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It is the funniest thing ever. It's like A.J. Dillon, this big, massive human being with the quad, the quad father, right? Quadzilla, and she's calling him little buddy. (laughs) It's hilarious, man. I was cracking up. Let's do this, man. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about Romeo Dobbs, all right? And I'm excited about this one. Um, you know, you've been kind of uh, leading the leading the bandwagon, right? Leading the the uh, the fan club, if you will, for Romeo Dobbs. You were talking about the connection that he had uh, with Jordan Love, and and just kind of talk about that a minute, and tell me what your expectations are for Romeo Dobbs going into this year, and I'll kind of I'll kind of come in and wrap it up with my thoughts. Yeah, man. I mean, I just I feel like that Romeo Dobbs is. Remember when we when we didn't know if it was Dobbs or Dubs. Remember when that was the yeah. thing. Yeah. We couldn't yep. figure that out. Anyways, that's just funny how a year uh, can change that. Romeo Dobbs is a man that is poised. He's ridiculously smart, I think. And what's even more impressive to me is he's not rattled by the media. When you watch him, I almost think that he's indifferent to the media. I almost think that he doesn't even care. They ask him questions and he's just like, yeah. And he's like, but you can tell he's he's there and he's not being disrespectful. He's not being dismissive. He's not doing any of those kind of things, but he's just like, he doesn't really care about the media. Like you can tell he's just kind of there and he's, he's more interested in performing well and honing his craft. And we've talked about the fact that, yeah, him and him in love have a, a deeper connection than most of the other guys I believe wasn't their agents or something like share like that, or share some sort of connection. They did the off season field stuff in, in California. Um, and you just look at the way that they react to each other. I mean, that that ball that Love threw, it was a good ball. It could have been a little bit farther, I think, right. uh, a little bit underthrown. But Dobbs went up there, and he he fought for it. And I think that that's the type of receiver he is. He's going to fight for it, and he's going to he's going to make Jordan Love look like a better quarterback, which is a really good thing. And again, seventy four point six offensive grade in PFF. He had a run blocking grade of sixty point oh, not too bad. He only had twelve snaps. What I thought was criminal absolutely freaking criminal don't hit me uh prize picks because i i think that you guys might be a sponsor coming up but anyways prize picks is the best and they're the best they do the best scouting and they're really good not sure both projections all that kind of stuff but prize picks has the season total an over under set for romeo dobbs at 575 and a half yards guys for real go yeah dude. now grab that Take, it's a parlay. It's one of those pick and bets. So you have to do that with another. But guess what? They got Christian Watson at like 879 or something like that. It's maybe yeah. 900 tops. I mean, they are criminally underrating this offense. You've seen yeah. what they can do with, with fours and fives. I mean, and, and another thing that I just want to poke on real quick. Clifford, I'm not scared anymore about if Jordan Love, God forbid, goes down. I'm not <laughs> 100% afraid. Don't right. get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be great, but I think that we got a dog in there, and this dude doesn't give a you know what. He'll run the ball. He'll throw the ball. The release. I'm watching his release, and I'm like, don't throw it. And then it's like perfect pass. Okay, nice. it's. Yeah. I'm just saying, him and him and Dobbs seem like they kind of have a little bit of a chemistry thing too, because it's just like they give him a lot of time, which I feel like I don't want to see anymore. Maku, I love you, brother, but. uh it was bad, man. It was, it was bad. bad. His best rush was negative one yards. I think Ryan touched on it on his podcast this morning. Yeah, he, and, and and of course, Ryan, the only way he can, just giggling as he said it. <laughs> all of the people that were just talking him up, right? Hey, but, I will say, if I can segue that, and I know we're supposed to be talking about Dobbs, but um, guys that Ryan thought were maybe duds that awfully, uh, actually showed out, did you know who the third best defensive player was that was ranked in PFF? I don't have it in front of me. I'll pull it up. You want me to? TJ Slayton. And you want to know what else? Oh, there it is. Look at his pass rush grade, bro. Yep. It's it's pretty insane. Oh. I'm telling you, dude, when when I watched those last five games, you guys, I, I said it a, a couple of weeks ago. I was going TJ Slayton freaking popped off the I mean, he was he was handling double teams and still he was pushing double teams back in the pocket those last five games. Something yeah. clicked with TJ Slayton. I'm excited yeah. about it. Again, his PFF grade at 89.5. That's an elite PFF grade. I can't scroll over to see the pass rush grade, but I'm sure that was a big reason why he was elite overall. Um, yeah, I'm excited about him as well, man. Romeo Dobbs. Um, the thing that, that sticks out to me about Rome 
and I kind of went back through my notes from training camp. I'm like Tim today, right? And Tim's uh, traveling from Milwaukee today. Safe travels, buddy, and we know you're listening. Um, you know, think about everything that's happened up to this point, Jacob. Remember the video we showed right here on this show? A fan filmed it from the stands. Romeo Dobbs going up and mossing Jair Alexander. Remember yeah. that play? Yeah. yeah. And then earlier this week in joint practices, you've seen him absolutely scorch that DB over the top on a nine route, right? And yep. beautiful throw by Love. And then last night, what did you see? You see a contested catch for a touchdown, a 50-50 ball. Mossed another guy, right? And, and again, like you said, that throw could have been better. It could have been a lot easier, right? A lot easier play. But you can tell Romeo, even with the comments he made about Aaron Rodgers earlier in the year, you can tell this is personal to him. He wants to see Jordan Love succeed. You can tell that Jordan Love and him, they're they're good friends. And I'm just telling you, man, you can't you can't really put a price tag on that, man. When you've got that unity, I mean, it, it's a different level of play that comes out. You know, we talked about Favre a lot last year. I remember in 03 when his dad died and he went out there and played in Oakland. And, and my God, did everybody just – their game just completely raise yeah. to a different level, right? There's something special that happens when people kind of come together like that, you know, it really is. So, anyway, um, smoked that Bengals cornerback in 11-on-11 joint practice, right? And last night he mossed that safety for a touchdown. His PFF grade last night, and granted it was just a couple series to the best of my knowledge, 74.6. That's solid, dude. That is way higher than his PFF grade was last year. And I get it. it's one game, it's one preseason game. I got you. I completely understand. But it, it looks to me like these players, including Jordan Love, I'm going to pull it up one more time here, Jacob, including Jordan Love, look at his PFF grade, 75.6. With a seventy-four point three passing uh, passing grade, like so, everybody last year said, "Well, the Philly game's just one game, right?" Well, we come through training camp, and it's well, you had some good passes and some bad passes, right? Now we're to the point where it's okay. Now we've got a couple series in a preseason game, seventy-four point. You can see it starting to stabilize. You can see that might be the baseline for. You know, his play this year, and I think it's only going to get better. I really do. I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to pull something up um, off on uh, Twitter real quick. And this is from, uh, let's see, uh, Dan Orlovsky, okay, on ESPN. I'm going to share the screen here. I want you guys to hear what Dan Orlovsky said about Jordan Love here. Just confirm you can see this for me, Jacob. Gotcha. Yep. All right, here we go. Let's let's check it out. This is what Dan Dan Orlovsky said. Let me make sure the volume's up. I want to make sure everybody can hear this the first time. I'm going to crank it. Hopefully it ain't too loud. If it is, I'll try to come back and adjust it. But uh, here we go. This is Dan Orlovsky talking about Jordan Love. This is the overthrow to Luke Musgrave. Okay, and listen what he says because all of this stuff is so important. We said it about Aaron Rodgers last year when people were screaming, there's receivers running open, there's receivers running open, and Kurt Warner had to come on Twitter and smack everybody's bottom and go, listen, guys, this isn't Madden. You you can't throw hospital balls. There's certain reads, certain progressions you're going through. Listen to Dan Orlovsky talk about um, how Jordan Love read this play. Jordan Love played a really clean game preseason week one. Knew where to go with the football, what the coverage was. was very decisive. Played quick mentally. Two plays I want to show quickly. The miss to Musgrave early on and then the miss to Musgrave on the screen. Okay, so... I like a lot of what Jordan Love does on this play. They've got a middle field closed, middle field open offensive concept. What I mean by that is this. If the defense gives you middle field closed, there's a safety in the middle field and it's closed, he's going to work the go route down at the bottom of the screen to the crosser on the tight end, one to two. Now, if it's middle field open, if there were two safeties here, then what he would do is work this pivot to this hammer route off of this hook defender, okay? Cincinnati plays middle field close defense, man-to-man -man coverage. There's a safety in the middle of the field. So he is going to give the go an alert if he doesn't like it or he loves it to the tight end on the crosser. Now, man-to-man -man by the defense, but a plug player, a hole player, this linebacker, here's the problem. If you're going to throw this crosser, here's the problem. You have to do something with him, and Jordan does. Now, this is what I like about this. You see 59, the linebacker right here. He's, he's on that hash. Watch what happens to him right when Jordan throws that football. He drives that way. Why? And this is what I like about this. Jordan's trying to move him, okay? Jordan's trying to move that guy knowing he's reading Jordan's eyes. Now let's go to the end zone copy. 
Because again, I like this from Jordan. He knows the problem of the defense. He knows the answer. Safety goes back to the middle field. Now watch, when he throws, watch he drives opposite of the throw. Why? Because Jordan's moving him that way. You see it? I love the fact that he knows what to do. Here's what I would say the learning for him is. Are we trying to do too much with our eyes? Are we trying to hold our eyes too much? Because he's staring here right now while trying to throw that crosser. Are we trying to do too much? Do we hold it just a second, a, a fraction of a second too long? Or if you know you're going to move him and you're so confident with your eyes that you are going to move him, just take a little off that throw. So good that he knows what to do with the football and who the problem is, but we got to be able to hit this in the NFL consistently. That's wide open. That's a touchdown, okay? So I do like the fact that he knows what to do with the football in that moment in that situation. Now here's the second part that we got to look at. The screen. I remember being with Gary Kubiak and Kubiak calling screens and being like, you got to find a way to get screens off, okay? This is a touchdown. Is it now, now credit Cincinnati defensively. Nice play by the defensive line. The, the play fake to get the tight end screen. They're get carrying coverage. You got two guys out front for two guys. These guys are backs play. turned running away from the play. Backs turned run away from the play. You got to get that screen off. You cannot let that defensive end bat that screen down. Okay, so again, thought he played really clean football. But these are plays you are going to have to make. Find an arm angle, whatever. Tries to drop it down. Look, at that's a touchdown. Really clean football. Great stuff to learn from. Love it, love it, love it, dude. And I agree with everything he said there. I mean, obviously, Dan Rolofsky, he catches a lot of flack, but Dan, Dan is such a knowledgeable film study guy, man. Um, it, you can see that – when you see that tight end screen, Jacob, from, you know, from the all-22, it's like – if he gets that into Musgrave's hands, <laughs> he is gone. That that's getting housed. Absolutely. It's housed. How the perspective on plays can kind of shift your narrative as to whether or not it was a good call or a bad call. Like I I've been guilty of that so many times. Like that's what I love about joining this 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 network and learning from you is because I was the guy like five years ago. I'd be like, why are you playing 10 yards off the ball? <laughs> right. You're a horrible person and every, your family should, you know, no, it's like, uh, I, I don't understand the concept and the, the average layman that's sitting there, there's a reason as to why they're in that position. And if there's not a reason, that means the defensive player screwed up. And then that means that they probably shouldn't be on the, on the field at that exact moment. But I mean, I'm just saying, man, it. um, it's really encouraging because, granted, again, brain assault. We're going against not Joe Burrow, not Jamar Chase. T. Higgins wasn't there. Right, I think right. like a, a spackled amount of first-rounders or first-teamers. But that being said, our defense looked, whew, I mean, good. They looked really good. They looked like they were flying around, like they understood the concept. Even our second-team defense really did seem like they were flying around a little bit more. And, again, preseason, we can't gain a lot of that because these guys – it's not about having continuity whatsoever. It's about literally plug and playing different people to see how they react to certain situations. That being said, you can gain a little bit of a knowledge of the defense from the guys that we know are going to be our starters. And that starting unit, whoo, they look good, dude. They look like they were flying around. They look like they knew exactly what their assignments were. They, they look confident. Um, and then you look at a few other guys, a few other pieces underneath there that are not necessarily like we're not going to have our second team start at any point. We're going to have our first team start with maybe second teamers intertwined. And those second teamers, Valentine, even Valentine looked decent at, at, at times. Um, again, we look at some of those guys, Devonte Wyatt, dude, I'm telling you, this guy might be a freak this year. You watch some of those, some of those plays this guy's doing. Yeah. He is a fast, violent man yeah. and he has a mission. And I swear to, you know what, if, if, if him and Kenny, and if I, I, LVN, you know, I, I will say I was a little bit unimpressed with LVN. Like Ryan said, it seemed like he was really trying to work hand movements, trying to do – just drive him back, bro. You can do it. I've, I watched <laughs> clips from somebody – I don't remember if it was Boz or somebody else. that They were like, just watch what he does when he just does the bull rush. I know when we were going into the year, we said, you got to develop more than your bull rush. You got to – no, dude, not now. Just bull rush it because that's your, that's your move. That's your main move. It's like when yeah. you used to play your brother in Nintendo – and he'd just do the one move, and you'd be like, God, I hate you. Just do the one move, man. 
Just do it. Just kick, 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 kick. It doesn't Spam. matter. Spam just, it. <laughs> just mash that button, dude. Just keep going. <laughs> Nick the Riller in the chat says, I love that our two, three, and four receivers are questionably better route runners than our number one. I think this is real hope for offense eliteness down the line. I know exactly what you're saying, Nick. I think Romeo Dobbs is a better route runner than Christian Watson. Um, I, I'm telling you right now, when we finally get a look at Dontavian Wicks, um, just watch. Because Ryan talked about on his pod, they did a horrible job with the camera work. And I'm hoping some kind of all 22 comes available on NFL Plus because I want to see Dontavian Wicks's routes. I want to see all of his routes because that dude is so smooth. He's so fluid. Um, I mean, seriously, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Jaden Reed going up and, and, and snatching a jump ball out of the air. You've seen that at Michigan State, man. That guy played big, and he played on the boundary. He played everywhere. Um, Jaden Reed being the number three receiver right now really fires me up. But, again, like, like what you're saying, Nick, when they go to ro the rotational aspect of these wide receivers, man, and they have to start rotating people in and out, man, we're going to be just as solid with some of the backups as we are, you know, with with two and three as well. I, I really believe that. I think Goody, Goody was in his bag this year. You know, everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers' chip on his shoulder this year, and I think it's legit. I think it's real. I think you're going to see the best version of Aaron Rodgers this year because he wants to prove Goody wrong. He wants to prove – all the doubters wrong. We know that's been well documented. But I think Goody had a chip on his shoulder too. Like, hey, look, I, you know, everybody's just pretending like it's all about Aaron Rodgers. He's the only reason this organization has had success, you know, all the way back to his mentor, Ted Thompson, his being, you know, Brian Gutekunst's mentor, Ted Thompson. And I think he was in his bag with this draft. I think we got the best version, best version of Goody this year. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how the young guys uh, kind of play out here. All right, let's see here. Knucklehead Paul in the chat. Sorry to jump ahead, but think Coach Belichick will get on a bike from one of the kids in Lambeau, question mark. I hope so, man. One thing that Bill Belichick, that I, I admire about Coach Belichick, he loves the game of football. He loves the history of the game. If you guys haven't seen the all-time top 100 list, I know people make fun of the 100 list, and, and I get it. If that's not your cup of tea, that's cool. But if you go watch the top 100 all-time list where he co-hosts it with Rich Eisen, and it's Belichick talking about every single player that's on the list, he grins like a possum in a dumpster the whole time, dude. Like he, You can just tell he loves, he absolutely loves the game of football and he loves the history of it. Um, I, I, I think it would be really cool to see Coach Belichick ride a bike over. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely who, awesome. Uh, who just as we're on that topic, who decides the top 100? Is that some sort of consensus between the the actual list for the all time top 100? I'm not sure who all voted, but the current top 100 they do every year, the players actually vote. So, so you, they're voting for their peers. In that same aspect, is that like because to me, when I grew up as a little kid, I thought like Pro Bowls, man, that's the top of the top. If you're a Pro Bowl, come to find out that basically anybody that has multiple computers can vote multiple times basically for anybody and your biggest fan base yeah. is probably going to get your most pro bowl voters so the old pro that's kind of where you're looking at is like is that again is that a coach and a player votage that basically that's more of a that's more the, like the green jacket of, of the awards. the all pro team i think is voted on by the media now by the media. top one yeah the top 100 team was voted on by their peers and what i mean by that is they had to fill out a list one through a hundred, from what I understand, who's your top player? Who's your number two player? Your number three player? That type of thing. And then they took all that information from all the NFL players that that contributed, and they put it into the database, and it came out with obviously the highest ranking player. That's how they came about. I think Justin Jefferson got number two this year, hmm. and I hate it, but he deserves it, man. That kid is so talented, so talented. I'm telling you right now, watch Jordan Addison. I'm telling you, I told y'all he was my number one receiver in this last year's draft, and, and there was a couple people laughing at me, going, he's too small, he's too this, he's too that. Now, I know he's got the legal issues to deal with, but um, I, I don't know, man. The combination of Jordan Addison with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, man, thank God they ain't got a defense now. That's all I got to say. <laughs> right. Yeah, now they got Brian Flowers, right, Flores. Yeah, that's why they brought him in. They're going to rebuild it for sure. Knucklehead uh, Paul in the chat says, one move, the leg sweep in Mortal Kombat, down and B. <laughs> Everybody right, used it, right, man? Everybody. 
<laughs> it's hilarious. We all know that too. It's funny. All right, man. We're at the 51 minute mark. Jacob, let's get ready to wrap this big bear up, dude. Um, you got any parting thoughts as we get ready to get out of here? I think we covered everything. We talked about Jordan Love. We showed that Dan Orlovsky video. I'm excited to show that, man. Love hearing Dan's take and obviously uh shared his Twitter. That's where that came from. So you can go give it a like, retweet, whatever. But any parting thoughts, Jacob? Yeah, man. I just have a couple of cool things real quick, anecdotally. Um, I got to jump out of a plane today, um, which was unbelievable. I, I, like adrenaline rush times. I, I, I'm literally like, I, I don't know how to explain it. My body has no more energy to do anything because I just went through the most euphoric, like crazy thing. I got to watch my 83 year old grandfather jump out of the plane in front of me and my brother and my cousin had some crazy Australian guy that was strapped to me that was trying to freak me out the whole time, made it really cool, <laughs> way more stressful than it needed to be. What's up, Bert? Um, but what's really cool is that, and this is the first time I'll ever try to fanboy or, or sound like a, I was at the freaking launch pad and my little brother was late because he's always late and he's signing some paperwork and he goes, oh, my name's Sam Bus. you know, I'm, I'm going in with this crew. And a lady apparently went, wait, Bus, like Jacob Bus, like Packernet podcast, Jacob Bus. And I went, no. No, my brother's like, shut up. And because my brother doesn't, you know, he gives me crap all the time. And he went, yeah, like, yeah, like from Packernet Podcast, Jacob Bus. And so she comes into our, I knew our little, there's an area where you're filling out paperwork and you're watching a video on how you don't die. And she's like, are you Jacob? And I'm like, yeah, how are you? And she's like, oh my God, like I listen to you and Clayton all the time. I actually joined your podcast or your, uh, your fantasy. It was Car the girl that was on Twitter. She happened to live like 40 miles away from me, just happened to be at the freaking same skydive place as me with her family because they did like a tandem. It's crazy, dude. And dude, I'm telling you, it is a crazy world and it's getting smaller and smaller as we grow this podcast network and people are listening. And my dad, because I've been telling my dad, I'm like, yeah, you know, I do some podcasting. And he's like, oh, you're a big time celebrity now, huh? And then the <laughs> lady had to be like, are you Jacob? And then my dad looked at me like, God oh, dang it. Funny man, it was really cool. So Carly, I believe That's her awesome. name is Carly Carlita. She's KM Monsters in our PF uh PFP league. It was a pleasure to meet you. Awesome for you um reaching out. It, it was it was really cool, super fun. Although I will admit that she saw me while I was the most scared poopless that I've ever been in my life. She was like, Hey, hey Jacob. I was like, Hello, Hello. I'm a guy. <laughs> I looked I look, I afterwards, it. I would have been way more confident. I felt great after, but before I looked like I was going to pee my pants. But anyways, <laughs> it's a pleasure that I get to like, this is just amazing. I can't thank you guys enough. It's It's been such a, I think I speak for Tim, for Andy, for Emilio, all these people that we're just regular people that get to talk about the Packers and you guys having this embrace of us has just been unreal. And it's growing so fast and I want you guys to be a part of it. Hit like, hit subscribe, follow us. Hit that little podcast notification up here. No, over here on that side. If you scan that QR code, it'll bring us to the Packernet Podcast Network and you can get all of our podcasts there. It's an amazing spot. We're growing and we really like to pay it back to the community. So join us, man. Let's have fun. Absolutely. Let's do this right as we wrap up. I wanted to read these PFF grades real quick. I'm getting dotted. That's good news, by the way. Good news. So no. we're going to run through them real quick. All right. And I'm going to try to unhide that there we go okay so on offense the top from let's do the top 10 graded players from the Bengals game okay emmanuel wilson halfback 93.5 number two elton jenkins left guard 85.6 number three zach tom 78.5 number four luke tenuta god love him got hurt um yeah. only 10 snaps but 76.5 Number five, Don Tavian Wicks with 30 snaps, grading out to a 76.3. Awesome. Number six, Jordan Love, only 12 snaps, but a 75.6 grade. Number seven, Romeo Dobbs, only 12 snaps, 74.6. Uh, number eight, tight end Austin Allen, 20 snaps, graded out as a 73.1. Number nine, Yash Nyman, 12 snaps, 72.4. And then number 10, Sean Clifford, 71.6, even with the interceptions, right? Yeah. Feel great that really well. And we'll do an honorable mention there with uh, Samori Torre at 71.4 coming in at number 11 spot. Let's go to defense real quick. Mm. On the defensive side, number one, cornerback William Hooper had 25 snaps, 90.3 defensive grade. Number two, Carrington Valentine, 89.8. Number three, TJ Slayton, nose tackle. Only eight snaps, but 89.5 grade. 
Listen to this one. Number four, Tarvarius Moore, safety, 23 snaps, 81.7 PFF grade. Number five, rookie Anthony Johnson Jr. It's saying that he played slot cornerback, 76.5 was his PFF grade. Sometimes when they do a rotation in the safe, the safety rotating in the box, that will get matched up as a slot corner. Don't know exactly how that graded out, but he did have a 76.5. Five tackles too. And I think he was yeah. he was yeah, very quietly had a very good game. Definitely. Number six, Carl Brooks, defensive end. <clears throat> 76.1. We've heard his name all camp. He had 28 snaps, guys, graded out as a 76.1. You're seeing the guys whose name were mentioned over and over and over by Andy Herman in training camp are starting to pop when it comes to already the first preseason game you're seeing them pop up on PFF. Number seven, Keyshawn Nixon playing the slot. Only seven snaps. Of course, he got a sack. 75.7 was his grade. Number eight, Tariq Carpenter. It's, it's got him listed as free safety here, so he played safety in that game. Um, 75.40 at 27 snaps. Number nine, Kingsley and Igbare, um, obviously outside linebacker slash edge, 22 snaps, 75.2 grade. And number 10, Dallin Levitt, 19 snaps, 74.0. Number 11, Darnell Savage, 73.3. Guys, it was a preseason game, right? We got to put it into context, right? But, man, these, these guys showed up yesterday, dude. They seem hungry for ball. I'm excited to see what they do going forward, for sure. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. This was a lot of fun, guys. I just thought we would change it up a little bit, talk a little Romeo Dobbs, talk a little uh, Carrington Valentine, do a little bit of chalk talk there with you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And, uh, obviously, uh, oh, that was the other thing. We were going to hear from Coach LaFleur. Um, let's do that. As we wrap up, if it's cool with you, Jacob, let's do this real quick. Let's, uh, let me hop back over here on Twitter. And uh, I want to I want to find this video because – it was basically Coach LaFleur was uh, was interviewed after after the game by Larry McCarron, okay? And um, I think it's just kind of cool to hear from the coach. We tried to do that on the postgame show, but we couldn't find any clips last night. So we're going to do it right now. Let's hear from the coach. It's just about two minutes long. Let's see what he had to say immediately following that win in Cincinnati there preseason week one. Here we go. Like about your preseason opener. Yeah, I thought the guys – First of all, played with extreme effort. Uh, I thought the energy on the sidelines was outstanding the entire game. It was just good to get back to playing football. It was great to see guys flying around, and a lot of guys contributed to the win tonight. How'd you feel about Jordan Love's night? I thought it was solid. You know, obviously, he, he would love, love to have the, the one throwback to Musgrave over the middle on that third down, but I thought, all in all, he went out there, he executed the plays, and, you know, he didn't force anything. I thought he, he made great decisions and, and played a, the position really well. How about Sean Clifford? He did a lot of good things. He did, and he battled through adversity, which is always exciting to see of a, a young player to throw back-to-back -back picks like that, one of those being a pick six, and then lead us down in the two minutes to, to score a touchdown. I thought showed great resiliency. Carrington Valentine, he's looking like a keeper. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and it's only one game, and he's got to understand that. you, you got to go and stack these games and continue to, to battle and get better and better and better. And But I think he's got a ton of talent. I love his approach to the game. He works his, his tail off every day, and um, he's an exciting young player. No offensive touchdowns by the Bengals. Who or what impressed you defensively? Well, I thought our guys were flying around. I thought, um, you know, like I said, a lot of guys were making making plays and playing off one another well, and it, we know it's a total team game, and so that's what it's going to take. It's going to take team defense. I thought we gave up a few too many explosives that we got to clean up, but all in all, I, I was happy with the performance, especially keeping them out of the end zone. Anders Carlson misses a couple extra points. How concerned are you? Uh, you know, it's again, it's it's his first experience in this league in a, in a real game situation. So we'll go back, we'll take a look at it. I'm sure he'll learn from it and he'll be better for it. Last thing for you, where did you find Emmanuel Wilson? Yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, you know, I know he put out there today, 14 years ago today, he lost his father and uh, it was cool to see him be able to rip off an 80 yarder, score two touchdowns, have over 100 yards rushing. So really happy for him. 
such a such a cool story there too with Emmanuel Wilson. Fourteen years, I think, to the day that he lost his dad, and uh, just the connection that that he and Aaron Jones have. Obviously, with Aaron losing his his father here in the last few years, and uh, you know Jordan Love, his background, Jaden Reed, his background, all those guys, man, across the board. It's just uh, I don't know, man. It's like we say. We're building a team. We're not collecting talent, and these guys—they seem like they're—they're uh, they're creating a really good base that are—that are going to go out there and perform for each other. I'm excited to see uh, what this uh, season holds. So, we'll be back tomorrow, gang. We should have us a practice to talk about. We'll do us a weekly recap. Maybe we can have Ryan Schlipp on here with us. Um, Tim may be back in town as well. But I want to thank everybody in the chat. You guys always show up in force. Really, really appreciate. Um, you guys dropping through, man. Too many to mention in here, but you, you guys know who you are. Bruce in the chat said, best Packers content out there. You two make the perfect combo. And we appreciate that, Bruce. Thank you for the kind words, man. We're just a couple knuckleheads uh, that love football and uh, trying to get trying to get a little bit better every single day, learning the game a little bit at a little bit different level. And uh, it's just so cool to be able to share um, this awesome game that we all love with other fans, man. That's what it's all about, dude. You guys in the chat are what makes this show and, uh, and obviously the callers and everything across the board. So thank you all for your time. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Tell the tackle. Take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, we drive down the first man who is inside. Pullback, we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows. He goes right by them and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.